Welcome back to the Four Gardens Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Ifshin. The Four Gardens Podcast features conversations with inspiring people making contributions in the areas of service, creativity, health, and nature. In addition to exploring the work of each guest, the podcast looks at how specific personal practices have contributed to their success. I'm really excited to be joined by my dear friend, Ari Rubens, today. Let's jump on in. All right, I'm here with Ari Rubens, just an amazing friend of mine, someone I've worked with so much over the last five years, been really grateful to know. Ari's an incredible personal trainer, a credible permaculture farmer and designer, a musician, a world traveler, a yogi, just an all around inspiring individual with so much uh, experience. And honestly, one of the most, maybe the most committed person to personal development and health that I've ever met. Um, so I'm gonna jump in Ari and ask you on that, on that line, you're always amazing me about what you're doing for yourself and your health. And so I'd love to hear from you about what kind of personal practices are you doing right now today? Uh, yeah. So let's jump in with that. And also I'd like to just hear how are you doing today first? And then let's, we'll go to that question. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Jake. I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing great. I was really looking forward to this first interview on the Four Gardens podcast. I'm your I'm the biggest fan and I'm very excited to share what practices I'm currently working on. And I thought I would just do it with the theme of the Four Gardens. That sounds great and I got to add one thing to your just before we even get going is how much help you've been on this podcast. I want to start out by thanking you that you have been helped me design the website and done so much to get this project off the ground. So it's really great to have you on as one of the first interviews. So yeah, I just had to name that too before we get into uh, get into the questions. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, it's been so exciting, so exciting to work on the website and to help launch this because this is uh, it's a dream come true. Uh, I would say the first practice uh, that I wanted to share is on health. It's kind of the first pillar before we go into the other gardens, and I would say the practices I'm currently really excited about our fasting and breath work. I'm realizing that if I don't do any kind of fasting, at least one to five times a week, then I'm just not performing and functioning at my best. And if I'm not breathing, particularly in the morning, then my energy levels and my health and vitality are not as strong. So I boiled it down to two things that over time have given me so much benefits and are fairly easy once you get going with them. For fasting, I'm not fasting the whole day, but I'm giving my body, my organs, my mind, just a chance to relax, not intake food all the time, and then appreciate food when it's when I actually get it. And from breathing, there are so many different breathwork practices. And actually right now I'm, I'm practicing combining different methods. For nature, sun exposure has been my nature practice. I know it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but very powerful and has helped me sleep, has helped my health and many others in my creativity as well. I'm currently living in Frederick, Maryland, 
And there's a balcony here where it's faced in a way that you can see the sun setting with the mountains. And even just getting a couple minutes a day has been an incredible practice towards my well-being. And finally, creativity. I'll share a quick practice playing the banjo. I was gifted a banjo from the 1930s. <laughs> and just playing a banjo, playing a new instrument is an amazing practice. And for service, karma yoga. Just doing good just to do good. The little things. Cleaning someone's plate when it's not yours. You know, picking up a piece of trash. Thanks for giving us that full Four Gardens intro to your your practices. That's awesome that you, you've always been someone, um, since I've known you these last five years, who when I met you in Israel originally, you were up at 6 a.m., you were farming, you were doing yoga, you had a whole completely different diet that was very intentional. Um, but yeah, hearing about your fasting, your breath work, these are all things I know that you do. It's nice since I know you so well every day that you're, you're just completely committed to these. And I witness how much each of those practices really affects your, your mood and your energy level and your just great optimism you bring to things you do. And t t take it back a little bit. How did you become, to me, you've always been someone so committed to doing these things, doing these daily uh, rituals and daily self-care. But where did that start for you? And uh, yeah, take us back a little bit to like when, when these things kind of became every day for you. Yeah, thanks for that question. It all started, I would say, since I've known myself as being someone who's always doing. I, I always I have a like a engine just of energy. I'm always needing to express myself in that way. And the beginning part of my life, I was practicing soccer and just moving my body. Work. I started lifting and doing bicep curls by the age of seven and push-ups. But I realized later on, especially when I moved to Israel at the age of 12. So I was born in Florida and I moved abroad to the Middle East at a uh, vulnerable age of 12 years old when you're finding yourself. You need to explore what you want to do with your life. You're already starting to think about where you want to go with your life, people you're meeting. And at that time, I was faced with the struggle of needing to adapt to a different culture, a very different language, a challenging experience overall. And then I took all that energy that I would typically put into whatever I was working on and I focused in more towards practices. And I started to find even my creative practice right when I moved at 12 years old. I'm realizing looking back that we can grow in any way. You can grow in something positive or negative. But I found that when I focused on positive things that helped improve my health and my ability to just also then be able to give, it just, it just changed things. So that struggle of moving to Israel at 12 years old no longer became a struggle. And I'm really grateful for that time because I really learned a lot of big lessons on bringing energy and, and giving to yourself first so that you can give to others. And that stemmed from not only music at 12 years old, but different movement practices. I have, you know, a couple of years after that, I found yoga, et cetera. So I'd say one of the best things we can do is doing our personal practice, personal growth. 
Thanks, Ari. Yeah, and I'll, I'll note something with you too. Um, I, 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 did, I haven't always felt as, um, you know, that's not everybody that's been on that uh, level of inspiration that you carry too, of like your kind of engine that you have. And I'll, I'll say that I do have an engine too, but having people, this is a practice I'll share, is have someone, have a friend like Ari Rubens around. And that has been a practice for me of if you surround yourself with people like this um, who are out there that uh, are so committed to their health and so committed to growth that it fires me up. So having Ariel as part of my, my life every week has been a reminder and a motivator. It's the reason why I've worked with him as a personal trainer too, is that he, he lives this too. So uh, having, him, having him in my life has been a big influence on me to also live, live this kind of reality of very, being very healthy, very joyful, serving. So yeah, it's been a big help. You've been a great help to me, Ari. So yeah, thanking you for that um, now. And yeah, it's not everybody has that. And I think building it up. So let's go to one of the concepts behind that that's important to you. Tell us about your tattoo about Ahimsa. What is that concept? And yeah, give us your Ahimsa story. Yeah, so currently I have one tattoo. It's Ahimsa. And I'll explain what that is. It's on my right arm. For me, it symbolizes the commitment to this word and this concept and taking action on it, not just thinking about it. Ahimsa comes from the yoga world. It's the first step in yoga philosophy. And way before you're going to practice your meditations or your breathing or your postures, Ahimsa means nonviolence and compassion. And when it's applied to a yoga practice or a spiritual practice, it's saying that whatever you're doing, you need to have this intention because if you are hurting yourself or hurting another person in the process of the spiritual journey, then you're not really making progress. You're going backwards. Yoga is also known as union or yoking, connection to the world, to the entire world, to all beings. So if you're, say, for example, harming yourself or say you're doing this very rigorous power yoga, but you, you have joint pain, but you're still going through it. You're like, oh, I need to do this. I have to do this. It's not applying the rule number one in the the yoga journey, which is take care of yourself, because when you can take care of yourself, you can then naturally extend that compassion over to beings everywhere. And I committed to that. Now, while I was getting the tattoo, I was thinking to myself, well, is it really ahimsa <laughs> to get <laughs> a uh, puncture into your skin and put ink on your arm? So there's definitely some humor there that I look back and I laugh at. But I am committed to compassion. And if I were to commit to one thing, I call that onto myself and hope that any listener is, would get more inspired to, to say, to ask yourself, how can you be more compassionate to yourself? And when you do that, it's natural to give. Thanks for going into that. And it makes me curious to hear a little more about your yoga journey, how yoga I feel like a lot of what you just shared is connected to yoga and yogic principles, ahimsa being uh, Sanskrit and yeah, from yoga sutras and other places, that concept. So let's hear a little bit about 
how yoga came into your life, how like the training you got and yeah. Tell, tell us about that journey. I would love to. So there are many parts to the journey, but I'll just share the part that really drove me to study yoga. When I was about 15 or so, like I said, after I moved to Israel, I was looking for practices. I found power yoga on YouTube and I would watch these videos and do them once or twice a day. I didn't have a yoga mat at the time. And I thought you're supposed to practice on something beyond the floor. I practiced on a blanket and I was slipping and I was doing these really hard poses when I shouldn't have been doing it. And, but there's something really healing about practicing yoga. And I always knew something I wanted to do later on in my life. People have told me, Oh, yoga is cool, but try this, try this, giving me direction of, of that, telling me where to go with as far as service goes. But I always knew deep down I wanted to do it. I didn't care how much money a yoga teacher makes or how, you know, uh, if it's like unstable or it's whatever. I knew I needed to do that. And at some point I tra- I was doing a, a trip through Australia and Southeast Asia and I was in Bali, Indonesia at the time. I was going to this yoga center called the Yoga Barn. Amazing. If you ask people who are into yoga and have been to Bali, most people have been there and know what I'm talking about. I was practicing a lot of yoga. And at the time, I was also studying how to ride a motorbike. At some point, I had too much adrenaline. I was driving around rice fields and I fell and I couldn't lift my arm. I must have broken or torn something there in Indonesia. You know, I just had a backpack at the time and I couldn't lift my arm. But something intuitively told me to keep on going to that yoga center. And at some point we did a breathing practice, which was shamanic breath work. And another way to say it is you're hyperventilating and you're increasing the DMT that's being produced in your body which what that does is it puts you in an altered state. But long story short, I had this vision that I was going to go to India and study with the yogis in the mountain, Himalayan mountains where yoga originated and heal my shoulder and heal my life, heal my soul. And I had just enough money to pay for a 500 hour yoga teacher training course. And I knew that I'm going. <laughs> so I pay for the course. I lived in India for two months with $60 in my bank account, practicing yoga in the Himalayan mountains. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. My shoulder was healed within a week, you know, and then I was doing, you know, I was back to my, really back to where I was supposed to, you know, back to the range of motion in my shoulder within you know, probably within a couple of weeks or a month. And so now I, and then since then, I just wanted to share yogas with as many people as possible. And I studied in Rishikesh, India, which is called the capital of yoga. And that's my story into yoga. And I then taught in uh, Cambodia in a retreat center and have been then teaching in the DC area for a while now. So it's interesting you have this parallel yoga background, which is taking you so many places. 
and you weave it into your life in a lot of ways. I notice not just the Ahimsa idea, but so much of, uh, you know, you bring your music into your yoga, you bring your fitness into your yoga. It's kind of something I, I really appreciate about you is you, you weave a lot of different skill sets together. So I want to talk about some of the other skill sets too, you bring to, you bring to yoga. And so you have this personal fitness background too, that I know you're so passionate about. Talk a little bit about that as well, personal fitness, and maybe how you how that's affected yoga, how yoga has affected uh, that field for you. Absolutely, it's such an important question, especially during these times, because there are so many approaches to yoga, and it's very challenging to teach proper anatomy in a yoga in a yoga teacher training which typically consists of 200 hours to 500 hours when the human body is so complex it's just vital that we that yoga teachers know more about the human body i have a history of back pain i injured my thoracic spine when i was younger and when i would practice yoga there were many times that my back would hurt and I was saying, why would this be happening? With my background in personal training and physical fitness training for multiple communities and more study in anatomy, because I realized I needed to learn more to understand my back. I don't want to be not practicing ahimsa. I don't want to be harming people with my classes. And then realizing that even in my program, we did yoga therapy for back pain. I'm then learning, wow, you know, like people with any issues in the spine shouldn't be folding. So I got on this rabbit hole of learning so much more about anatomy and integrating personal training and experience with anatomy. And then also other modalities like Qigong. I'm realizing that just doing sun salutations or practicing a conventional yoga class is not enough in this day and age where we can bring so much more. So my yoga classes are also, let me take a step back. My yoga classes are just the, my story into greater health. I'm teaching what I've learned and what I've experienced in my life, whether stuff that I learned from 12 years old, moving to a different country, all the way to studying in the Himalayan mountains. And it's just so important to tune in, even if you're listening now and you're taking a yoga class and you're realizing that your back is hurting after yoga class, question that and dive deep. What are you doing in the, in the class? Maybe you're pushing yourself too far, but it's actually about connection and healing. And I want that for you. And I know Jake, we've worked a lot in personal training and uh, working on muscle imbalances is something that isn't done a lot in yoga. And I know that it's really benefited you and it's so amazing to see. Yeah, it's been a, it's been really great to work with you as a personal trainer and to have personalized exercises, which have helped me break through in a lot of ways with my, with my personal health and strength. And like, I, I think I said this in the practice episode, we already recorded to it. I feel like in the best shape of my life doing personal training with you and uh, a lot of work on my own too. But I would say what I, what I like about the personal training too is it's not, you don't, you, you, some of the things you said about your yoga teaching, you weave the same things with and work in 
so many different things into the personal training, like martial arts will do. Like I love that we do Krav Maga or other kinds of boxing as part of that. I love that we uh, will do some acro yoga too, or some qigong. And so it's it's so interesting to work with you in that way, where you bring such a a dynamic range of practices to the to the table. And you're also working intuitively too. I see your like wheels turning, all the practices, all the possibilities as we work out together. And yeah, it's just really fun to, to work with you because of that on it. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, it's been, it's been, and there have been times where like I needed to adapt because I'm realizing even if I have a plan that that doesn't, and I'm seeing that for you, it's, it's something else is happening that it's not about what I think you should do. It's about like where you're at and how to create wholeness. And these are all tools, you know, martial arts. I studied six forms of martial arts, you know, Qigong, energy healing. I wanted to bring as much modalities because they're just tools at the end of the day to receive a more connective experience in life. And one other thing is music too. At the end of every one of my classes, you can see my, uh, hand pans here, my guitar. I have a banjo as well from the 1930s. I think that yoga is a is a chance. It creates opportunities for people to express who they are. And music is another one. So I know we listen to music as well in our sessions. But yeah, at the end of class, I have people lie down and I would play a hand pan uh, track or something sing something on the guitar we've also played a lot of music we're both musicians we play a lot of music together yes one other thing about this approach to physical training i want to say is i feel like it's a lot related to, it's there's some relation to the four gardens approach where i see how you're it's a lot about listening and, and, and tuning in having all the practices as many as you can or as reasonable at your disposal but then really listening each day into what your being needs your body needs your spirit your your health. So I think I, I like that, that it's so adaptable. The plan changes, um, but there's a plan too at the same time. So that's very reflects my own way I like to work. And yeah, it's, it's super, I think, effective for me and, and for others you work with. And on the musical note too, kind of inspires me to bring up now some of the music we made and also the work we did in the past with music uh, and gardening uh, with engaged ecology and just you're bringing, remembering how you bring music as a healing modality too. I have seen you so often and I've done this with you. We'll go to senior homes and Ariel is, uh, has a great voice and is a song leader. And so I'd love to back him up on the drums or on the dulcimer guitar or the bass. And, um, yeah, he's, he is like full of songs and joy. And so bringing him, especially to, we did work with children too, but especially to the older people to see how Ariel's music would light up people um, who had dementia or who were having, were just having a tough day. Uh, it was a really, really marvelous thing. So, so tell us a little bit. Yeah. We'll share any reflections on that, of course, Ariel, and also um, talk a little bit about your musical journey and background. At 12, when I discovered music i was practicing the guitar my dad always played guitar and people in my family played and i got incredibly frustrated why is this so hard why is this so challenging and i think a lot of people are afraid to get into music because it's it's just requires a different skill set that we don't practice any other way and i got really good advice from my mom 
you know, offering me different perspective and an invitation to take a different approach. And I then came up with a practice that is called, if you can sing it, you can play it. If you can sing it, you can play it. And the first song I'd learned and I taught others is Smoke on the Water. Don't, 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 right? Once you develop that, you start to listen to sounds in your heart and you create, you can easily create melodies. Instead of looking at a musical composure and needing to memorize do, re, mi, fa, so, la, si, that's what made me almost quit. <laughs> now playing music for more than a decade, I realized that music is supposed to be fun. You are playing music. And for me, it's fun to activate my creative juices and to be able to sing something first. We all have this instrument, the voice. At 12, when I was struggling, what I wish I would have known then was that the opposite of depression is expression. For me, that really resonated. The opposite of depression is expression. A depressed animal or human, or if you're just sitting down, slouched, tucked the chin, just all, all like closed off, that is a depressed energy. And I, that's what I, I used to have that. And then the more I sang and opened up my throat and my mouth when I sang and like when I was playing guitars, moving around, the better I felt and the more expressed my soul was. And I knew that because it was so healing that I needed to share with as many people as possible. And it's my favorite thing in the world to sit in front of a bonfire and share songs and even hear people just sing at the top of their lungs. And then that work that we did together, going to senior homes and intentionally learning songs from their era. Whatever will be, will be like this. They light up, they get, they get, they feel good. And I feel like my work as a human being on this planet is fulfilled, is fulfilling. And it's something we need, we need more of in this world. We need more expression. We need to share that creativity through service. Well, I cannot, I cannot agree more with that. And I've seen you in action so many times around so many campfires and so many different community gatherings. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a real joy. And I couldn't agree more too with, uh, what you're saying about music as a tool to change how we're feeling to that. It's a birthright to everybody to play music. And I've been reflecting on this too, a lot of the difference between practice and play and how can we make our practice into play? How can we, how can we express ourselves uh, and, and enjoy our music each day? It's still a challenge for me to, to not to just get to the instrument every day and play. And you've been an inspiration with that, a real inspiration with that too. And so, yeah, it's been a joy to share music with you. Um, let's talk about what's coming up next for you. Cause I know you're in a transition period right now in your life and you're about to go on a big adventure. Uh, there's some challenges that have been coming up for you as well too, around every, all the changes. So tell us a little bit about, uh, this next chapter for you, some of your intentions, some of the challenges and, you know, this, this new growth period for you. I'd love to hear check, have a check-in with you today around how, how this is going. 
Before I answer that, I wanted to give a chance to share a story of another time that I was going through a transition in my life with uh, moving to the kibbutz in the south of Israel. And that is where I met you. That's where Jake and I met on a on Kibbutz Latan in Israel. And I was throwing my first concert in that community. And Jake was the one. Uh, I had other people that were going to join and uh, they had other things that were going on for them. But then, Jake, you joined. <laughs> You're the only one who showed up at the end, like right before it started. And then everyone else came along with it. But like, yeah, it takes it takes courage to show up to play music, especially in front of people. But I just want to say thank you for being there in that time of transition when I was going through that and helping me express the music. <laughs> Well, I got your back, brother. And you know, you got my back. one thing we share is we're pretty loyal uh, people who show up. We say we're going to be somewhere. We both show up. I noticed that we're there. And so I'm there for you. And uh, it felt good that, to start our friendship. You know, it was an early, early episode is to, to play that show. And everyone did show up. Gradually, people came in, other musicians, other people. Right. And, the, and we got the party started. And so being there first and having that conviction is something we both, I think, do together. And I think one other thing coming up for me with that story, and we can also weave into the future, is we uh, is discomfort. You know, courage being related to, for me, about it's okay. You know, putting your being vulnerable, being uncomfortable, um, being in that growth zone. You know, taking chances, and something I think we support each other a lot in. We we uh, check. Um, we did a little practice episode on cold exposure, Ari and I together, which for I think both of us we talked about is. Getting in that ice bath, getting in cold water is this practice we can bring into our lives to get stronger in this area. But it's definitely something we share of like how to work with discomfort and growth zones uh, a lot. So thanks for thanks for being a, a great partner on that, Ari. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It, it really is now reminding me of like where I'm going right now. In next month, I'm going to Costa Rica, which takes the same element of courage to trust that it's everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to be doing an outdoor leadership program where I'm studying scuba diving and whitewater rafting, wilderness first responder training. But one thing here to share is that I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of not being able to see the bottom of the ocean or a pool. When I was three or four years old, I almost drowned to my death. And I remember that. I remember grasping for air, using my whole body to stay afloat. And my uncle came and saved me last minute, last second. And I'm going to this trip to confront my fear of the water what I'm truly afraid of by not only not being able to see the bottom, but to scuba dive, go deep into the water. Cause I realized how much growth potential there is with showing up in that way. Similarly to getting it on stage. This program is going to really, I know going to challenge me in ways that I typically am not getting challenged right now. Just to say this, just share that for playing music for all this time, there have been countless, hundreds, maybe even thousand times when I was going to play in front of one person or at some point I played in front of 150 people, give or take. 
I was scared. I was so scared. But confronting the fear is a great way to grow. And I hope that people can take more risks and 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 go towards that. Go towards the fear. Of course, be safe, of course. But that's where I'm going to next. And it, the, the program's through Outward Bound, which from what I understood, they work with a lot of uh, youth in all populations. And they, they encourage people through these tools like scuba diving, surfing, rock climbing, hiking to challenge. Challenge and, and work through what you're afraid of. Work through your resistance to then become a better human being. Yeah, Ari, I'm so excited for you on this next adventure, this next chapter, and all the all the continual growth and these outdoor skills that you're you're getting right now from this from this journey. And uh, to see you to see you traveling again brings me joy of knowing you as this minimalist and vagabond. You go to the, through these periods since I've known you, where you 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 always don't seem to have very few possessions, which is something I admire. And then you do this kind of travel. This is more structured travel than. I know you usually do, but you've had these periods of vagabonding and brought me into this. Uh, these are two ideas you've sort of brought more into my field of vagabonding and minimalism. Give me a little, as you go into this next travel period, t- tell me a little bit about those concepts, either one that feels alive to you right now, uh, if, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Vagabonding is a wonderful concept when it comes to long-term travel even where near your home base you can still apply the concept of vagabonding and there's a an amazing book that i've taken with me i wonder if it's here rolf potts is the name of the author this book has been my guide when i did a one-year trip around the world primarily in Southeast Asia and in Australia with just a backpack. I thought what I wanted to do was to plan a big trip, know where I'm going, like I'm going to Portugal, I'm going to Ireland and just map it all out, which a lot of people do. When you apply the concept of vagabonding, you can then let the journey unfold before your eyes without planning it. You get to reinvent yourself whenever you go to a new location. I'll share a story that's connecting to my experience with vagabonding. At some point, I was in Scotland for my sister's wedding. And I had a big chunk of time afterwards that was still open and I wanted to plan it all. Instead, I scratched the plans and said, I'm going to go to a country that genuinely interests me and go on a one-way ticket, hope for the best. So there I was with my carry-on 40-liter backpack. I went to Nepal. I had my pairs of clothes, toothbrush, toothpaste, and the book of vagabonding. When I was there, I told myself every day or every hour, every minute, I'm not going to plan so that I can put myself in a position where life is going to give me the signs of where I need to go, what I need to do. It brought me to unbelievable places. I got invited to multiple villages and homes 
just by being on a local bus. Now, I know Nepal is an amazing place. And I think I got lucky by choosing Nepal to do this. But the experiences that I had vagabonding throughout Southeast Asia, primarily Nepal, with that intention of going completely in, into trust, trusting in the universe to provide, trusting in God or whatever you connect with as far as you know your greater connection to spirit. And it really hit me when I ended up at the base camp of the Annapurna mountain, one of the tallest mountains in the world. And here I am looking at one of the tallest points, you know, tallest mountains right there. And I only got there because I trusted in myself, in my heart. One question that I asked while I was doing this journey was what would someone who loves themselves do? When I asked that question, it brought me through a nonlinear path, but looking back, I am so incredibly grateful for. And part of that vagabonding spirit also led me to work with Jake and collaborate in so many ways. And while there's room for that vagabonding, I found that I'm very excited. And I think because I had all these experiences, now I'm saying, okay, now I want to do a structured two-month program in Costa Rica, but who knows what will come after that. And just a tip that I've learned from someone is if you're on a trip like this is to map out at least the two to three months you have ahead, if you have the luxury of doing so, and and then just keep on planning in that way. Because if you're planning more than that, then it creates rigidity and challenge as far as creating an adventure of your life. I found this practice to be, I love the book. You recommended this to me. And I found this practice to be great for me too, of just leaving space when I travel, leaving space in my life for uncertainty, for, uh, for generosity to emerge, for chance, for uh, adventure. I think it's a good way to live your life, not just travel. And so I've also been, I've also been on a travel. Ari's got the book there. <laughs> Ari, yeah. Uh, yeah, you want to hold it up? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, it's been a, it's been a way to a way to approach life for me, uh, and especially this year where I've been doing more travel and kind of gave up a permanent, permanent house I had for four years and have trusted more in other people's hospitality in my own, uh, in my following my own interests around where do I want to go, what do I want to do, and just creating. Yeah, it's created a lot of growth for me. It's not always comfortable to have that lifestyle, uh, but it is a spiritual path. I do. I definitely see it as a, a chance to grow. So thanks for, yeah, it's influenced me a lot. So thanks for sharing those ideas, maybe new to some people, Ari. And let's, um, let's start to just to begin to wrap up here. I just want to see if there's anything else you want to feel inspired to share today about any of these topics and also how can people find you or follow you? Yeah. I'll just share one quote that, or one part of the book is right in the beginning that I would come back to when I was ever feeling lost, whether I was on a trip or when I was, you know, in a, at a home base working for a while. Vagabonding is the act of leaving behind the orderly world to travel independently for an extended period of time. But this, this part really gets me a privately meaningful manner of travel that emphasizes creativity, adventure, 
awareness, simplicity, discovery, independence, realism, self-reliance, and the growth of the spirit. And I ended up giving that book away to an 18-year-old who was lost while we were trekking in the Annapurna region. <laughs> yes, so my hope is that people can get inspired from any of these stories that I've shared or my life experience. A way that you can reach me is through my website, arirubens.com. And I am on YouTube as well, creating content from my life and from different teachings that I feel are really relevant to share. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. And I look forward to being on hopefully on a future episode. Yeah. So grateful to have you on today, Ari. And yes, our listeners can expect more Ari Rubens to come. I'm excited after your adventure and before to work with you more on the podcast. You're my real chief collaborator on this and uh, are really a co-creator when it comes to this this piece and this, this, this creative project that I hope will touch a lot of people. And so thank you so much for taking the time today, Ari, and sending you lots of blessings. Thanks everyone for listening.